Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. This is Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, I'm Scott Callantine. Welcome to the episode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back to Keeping It Simple. Welcome back to the show. We are glad that you are here. For those of us who are unaware or don't remember, we had an episode back in season one with Matthew Erickson. And he talked about the microchurch and Wigby and, and specifically Hope Church in Oak Harbor. And today we are going to have another episode with our good friend, Matthew Erickson, who's also a fellow Christian Missionary Alliance guy. And so we're, we are excited to have Matthew back with us for Keeping It Simple. Matthew, as you're joining us, could you maybe give our audience, our listeners, a brief uh, recap of who you are and, and how'd you get to this point in your life, especially for those who may not have listened to season one? Hey guys, it's so good to be back. That's for sure. I, uh, I can't believe it was six to eight months ago that uh, from, from the point that we're recording this podcast right now, that's just amazing how quickly things have, time has moved. Um, well, as far as uh, just kind of an up to now for us and for, for, for Hope Church, uh, about seven years ago, we were sent from the Island Church of Woodby, which is on the south end of Woodby Island, uh, to Oak Harbor uh, to plant Hope Church. Uh, we didn't have a ton of direction in regards to what exactly that was going to look like uh, from the leadership of that church. Uh, it was more about what God was going to be um, kind of sharing with us and and uh, and ultimately what the vehicle of making disciples was going to be. Uh, working with Micah Dodson, who works with us um, on the district level. Shout out to Micah. Shout out to Micah uh, on the uh, with the the Christian Missionary Alliance here in the Alliance Northwest. Uh, we really kind of honed in on uh, what we now call the micro church expression, simple church. But um, at that point, we just referred to it as missional communities, house church. And, uh, and essentially started just with a Bible study in our home. Uh, the first time we, we got together was uh, Super Bowl Sunday when the Seahawks lost to the Denver Broncos. It's a, it's a hard And looking at your hat right now, like it just, I feel so good about this, the oh, Seahawks. Hold on, but, hold on. We beat the Broncos, on. lost to the Patriots. I just got to correct oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I pre- that was See? a heartbreaking day. Look at that. See, I just, I've like partially erased it from my mind. Yeah, that's right. Uh, against lost. the Patriots. Run the rock. A- <laughs> So some may see we're off to an you know an inauspicious beginning, but uh, it really was perfect because I remember praying for a gentleman who was going to be moving to Arizona, and it was the first time that we got the chance to even bless somebody was you know having a gathering in our home, and we thought that at some point this was going to be a traditional Sunday morning expression, and what we learned was that God had in for us. No, there's a whole bunch of folks in our community who uh, disenfranchised with the church uh, have disassociated themselves for a variety of reasons. And folks who have no experience with church at all, you know, people who are not believers, who are not following Jesus, um, they may they may listen to the gospel on my couch, even though they would not go to a traditional church. And so, as we've continued to explore what that looks like for us, um, we found that this model uh, works out really well. There's 43 churches in the Oak Harbor area, uh, which surprises a lot of folks. A lot of churches share buildings. The average church size is about 60 people. Uh, so, in a lot of ways, felt like we don't really need another expression that looks like that. Uh, felt like God was really leading us in the, in the direction that we're at. So Hope Church is, um, is a simple church, just like you guys, uh, looking to make disciples of Jesus Christ in a small environment and, uh, and making big advances with the kingdom. So that's where we're at. Man, that is that's good recap. Uh, over the last six months or so since we last had you on the podcast, what has happened at Hope Church? What's been going on in your life and in the life of Hope Church? 
I think uh, I was here mid-spring, I want to say. So at the end of the spring, we actually did a, um, now here, here's kind of, we have to keep in mind with Woodby Island is that we're surrounded by water. Uh, so if you're going to do a baptism service, you don't go to a, a font, you don't go to a church building, you go to the water because you're surrounded by it. So we did, uh, we had baptisms, um, which we did in June. Uh, really excited to see some new believers, a um, couple of guys in the military who are now actually on deployment. Um, but it was a, a function of um, the disciple making that we've been been learning and, and leading people to, to Jesus for them to make their own decisions. But uh, I had a couple of guys uh, that were baptized uh, over the summer. Uh, it was, we decided, and we made this decision a long time ago, but uh, summer was not a break for us. I feel like if you're making, you know, disciples and you're living life on life, that they're, what's a break, right? It's, you don't, you don't pause your family, right? <laughs> you don't pause your family. So we didn't pause the church. So we just keep gathering, right? We keep gathering in homes and continue to do that. People pop in and out as, as they, as they need to. And then, uh, for about eight weeks, uh, we decided to lean into um, what I guess now is kind of an older book. It's about 10 years old um, by Hugh Halter uh, called The Tangible Kingdom. And there's a primer that goes along with that, um, which asks you to gather with a group of folks, a smaller group of folks uh, in homes and to learn what it means to be incarnational in your community. For Stephanie, my wife, and uh, in our family, we've been living in this world for seven years. This has been, and even before that, certainly, before we, we started Hope. But for a lot of our folks, it's to say, go host a party, go get to know your neighbors, you know, those kinds of things. We've, we've learned that there is some teaching that needs to go along with that. And rather than having Matthew's voice be the voice that they hear, let's listen to somebody else who's been doing this for, for a long time. And so we took eight weeks. We didn't meet in public gatherings at all. Um, we met only in homes. Uh, we learned about what it means to be incarnational, what it means to engage with people directly. How do you walk across the street and say hi to your neighbor? Uh, we invited uh, some folks from our church to actually be at our house as we hosted a party with our neighbors. And just to be able to demonstrate, because I think there's a lot of that practical uh, knowledge that, that folks need to have. They need to get their hands um, dirty, so to speak, when it comes to that, you know, actually go and kind of put in that work. What a benefit, though chance to be able to connect with some of our neighbors. And at the end of it, we just finished about three weeks ago. At the end of it, we've been asking them to really challenge themselves to see what does God have for you? What's, what's a rhythm that you would take out of the last eight weeks that you would want to apply to your own life, whether it's more time with the Lord, more time prayer, more time read, reading the word, more time connecting with others, maybe taking somebody to Home Depot with you um, as you're learning how to make disciples and teaching them about Jesus as you're in the hardware aisle, looking at all those prices, um, lots of different things. So we, we've been, uh, that's kind of our up to now right now. And as we look into the future, we're going to be applying a lot of those principles into, uh, into our ministry. That's good to hear. And this is actually kind of funny. Uh, Luis and I joined you, uh, in Hope Church, I don't know, August, September, something like that, uh, at the beach. And you guys were doing a service at <laughs> oh, the man. beach. Yeah. You, you know, I know where you're yeah, laughing yeah, yeah. here, but for our audience, uh, we were all sitting on logs. They were getting ready to to start this service, and it was very much a pop up service, just on the beach, having a good time. And then the tide came in, and it was like every thirty seconds that you were singing, you would like check check your feet, check the ground, how close <laughs> is the water? Do we got to move the equipment? Eventually, we had to relocate everything. We had to move the food to have the meal in the parking lot. After it was so much fun, it was it was a blast. That was. Uh... 
Yeah, I, I've taken a lot of ribbing on that one as far as like, dude, check the tide chart, man. I mean, it's it's uh, I've lived in this island literally for four generations and didn't even look at the tide chart. It was Matthew is literally <laughs> an island boy and did not look at the tide chart. <laughs> like, what, I looked at the tide chart for fishing that day and I'm like, this is gonna be good fishing time. The fish are gonna be in. But I left yeah. my fishing stuff at home that day and I was like, man, we're gonna do church that night. And well, I will one. say that it's uh when you're doing ministry in this way, especially as the you know, as the pastor leading people, um, man, there's no way you can get too too egotistical. It's you know, you stay humble, man. And it's yeah, I was that was a lot of fun um to do it. Frankly, I mean, we got some pictures that you can't replicate yeah. <laughs> unless you're standing halfway up to your ankles in water. So it was that was a lot it, of fun. It's it great was to funny. have you guys out. And that and and that's part of the thing about doing uh, you know, simple church is that it is flexible. Right. And that it is, you know, man, everybody knows each other. It's not personal. Things happen, but we can flex on a dime. And like for many of us, you know, um, and, and for many people, like when Corona hit, they were able to kind of like just flex and stuff. For us, that was like a real a huge pivotal time. Um, but and yeah, man. So look, man, we love having you around. We have some history together. You've been on this micro church journey for some time now. Um, man, tell us, tell the listeners how you arrived, you know, how you guys ended up doing micro instead of going, because you alluded to it at one point you thought you were going to do a, a predominant model style church. Um, so how did you guys get to the simple church um, form? Yeah, well, you definitely do what you know, right? So I was... When we were called to church planting, we, uh, it, and it was a long time of discerning what that was going to look like exactly, but we went through uh, the process of uh, boot camp and went through um, assessment and whatnot with the Alliance Northwest. Great process uh, with that. Met some some really amazing people. Uh, but all we've ever known is what traditional church looks like. And I don't think... Um, I don't think that's too dissimilar from most folks who figure like we're gonna, we're gonna go out and plant. Um, what we didn't know was exactly what that was gonna what that was gonna look like. And the lead pastor at the time at the Island Church, he had um, he wanted us to consider as we moved up to a Carber, um, doing a traditional model and potentially in a movie theater. That was kind of trendy at that time. You know, this is almost a decade ago, but um, doing something in the local movie theater, which I could have been an option, could have been an idea, definitely would have been different um, for the town of Oak Harbor. But we had gone out to visit my my mother, who at that time lived in Boise, Idaho. Uh, it happened to be on Palm Sunday. We were there, so the week before Easter, and told mom, "Hey, I, let's find a let's find a Christian Missionary Alliance church here in in, uh, in Boise." And I had already looked one up and saw that there was one. I noticed that it was at a community center, which was intriguing because I was curious what that looked like. Um, but we rolled in, and there was nine of us. It was my our family, my mom, my my sister, and her kids, and and we rolled in. There was twenty people in the room. And I thought, oh, what do we walk into? Like, what is this? Uh, but the first thing that caught my eye was not the amount of people, but the amount of food. Like, there was food everywhere. And I just was thinking, how did they know to make this much food? Because we kind of rolled in. We obviously didn't bring anything. And uh, Pastor uh, Chris actually got up and um, started, to, started to speak. It was Sojourn Alliance, which is in Boise, one of our uh, network churches. And, and, they, uh, and, he, and he preached out of Galatians 5. He sat on a stool. Um, we, we had food, we prayed for each other, we laid hands on each other. And I remember my sister looked over at me and she's like, I'd just been licensed. I think I'd been licensed two weeks before. 
uh, as a pastor with the CMA. And uh, my sister looked at me and she goes, you could do this. Like, this is amazing. And this is somebody who was not a church attender, but she just, for whatever reason, really connected with it. And so, um, Steph and I, we, we ended up meeting with Dusty Brenner, who's the pastor and, and, uh, and Chris again, and Chris is actually on staff of the mountain mountain division, but, um, we, uh, we met with them and just kind of uh, tell me about this. What is this? Like, what are you guys doing? Cause you guys are meeting in homes, but you're also meeting here. And what do you call this? And he kept throwing out terms like missional community and incarnation and Mike Breen and all these different names and stuff. And I, I was like, I got research to do. So I went home and started reading up and I connected with those guys, um, probably once a month for about six months just to check in. And, uh, and then just felt convicted like this, we're supposed to do this. And so I went to that pastor who our lead pastor at the time and said, I, I'm not sure exactly what God has for this church plan in Oak Harbor, but I don't think it's me in a movie theater. I think it's, uh, it's our family learning how to build relationships with people in our community. Uh, and through that using these, this missional community style as the vehicle in order to make disciples. And so that's how we how we landed there. It was really nothing more. And, and the practice actually ended up becoming our own neighborhood. Our, our own neighborhood ended up becoming the lab. So we we're, we're still living on the south end. The decision we we haven't been released yet to move to Oak Harbor. And so we're just building relationships with our neighbors. We're having hot chocolate parties when Santa would come through. We're we're doing movie nights at the house next door. And did you dress up as Santa? I I was no. We actually had a guy who rolled in on a big fire truck who was on who was in Santa, but. Melissa and I visited you for one of those. Him, <laughs> him sing like Carol, Caroling, Cocos and, and Carols, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Carols and Coco. Yeah, we're actually going to be doing that in Oak Harbor here in in like two weeks. But we um, we just felt like what a great opportunity to do that because we just we realized that there was a number of folks in our community who needed community. Like we say the word community, but as far as people building relationships together and actually experiencing life, experiencing community, very few people do that. Right. Very few people do that. And so there's a there was an opportunity. We recognized there was a need and we decided um, God, it's been years now, but we decided that uh, this this is the vehicle. This is the model that we're going to look at. So so for Hope from a practical standpoint, Hope Church meets once a month um, at uh, our local senior center. We do a public service. Uh, the rest of the month is meeting in homes. And um, and that's what most of the people in our church experience. Mm, that's awesome to kind of hear more of that origin story. Thanks for sharing with that. Uh, well, sharing that with us. Um, in this expression of the church, this model, this structure, micro church, simple church, life is different. Especially if you are the pastor, whether that's you know an associate, a lead, whatever um, classification you may have as a, as a pastor. But you're pastoring a group of people in this format of church. So with that understanding. One of the biggest realities or the biggest changes is co-vocational, bivocational living. I like the terminology co-vocational. I feel like co, they, they work together. It's a holistic approach to, uh, to our life. So with that's going to be the focus of this episode for our listeners. We're going to sure. talk about co-vocational living, and Matthew has a variety of experiences with that. So why co-vocational? How does that work? How has that worked in your life? Can you give us some experiences of it, maybe some highs and lows of it? And is it simply based out of a financial need, a financial necessity, or is there more to it? Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, so I spent 21 years working with the Starburst Coffee Company right out of high school. Um, I think a year, I think a year after I started working at Starbucks and, and, um, 
and that ended up becoming a career. I was a store manager, a district manager, and and kind of working my way through. And then I was called to ministry. And I didn't have that perspective of God routing his funds through whatever vehicle he wants. I, I certainly had more of the mentality of like, I've got to earn my living. I've got to earn my keep. I got to care for my family. I got I, 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 I. And it took me a little bit of, of learning to be able to see that God is taking care of my family. He's taken my family in the way that he sees fit. And it's really up to me to make a decision on whether I'm going to listen or not. Will I act on that? So for, for us, when, I, when we made the decision to, um, to do this model, we understood and knew clearly that, um, that there was, I was not going to be full-time with Hope Church. That was not going to happen. Um, we were also kind of taking a look at just the world around us and seeing that, boy, there's a lot of pastors who are not working full-time. Um, I don't think you have to have too much of an imagination to look into the future and see that that may not be the predominant way that that um, pastors are are funded uh, as we move into the future. I don't know that for sure, but it just seems like that um, with churches closing and and uh, in different ways. Um, but the the other thing that I really recognized, especially when I worked at Starbucks, was that there was no better way to get to know people in your community than every day to be able to hand them a cup of coffee and say, "Great to see you, Jim. You know, how's your wife doing? How are the kids?" so sorry that you lost your dog. You know, there's different things. And it was amazing to me how um, people would open up their lives to a guy wearing a green apron behind a, a coffee bar, you know, and I know that you don't have to work at Starbucks to do that. There's lots of different ways, but there was this aha moment of, I could kind of manufacture ministry with people by volunteering at different events and whatnot, or I could just be a minister in the, con in the context of where I'm already working. And that was the decision that we decided to make was to do that. So, um, so we we received um, we've received funding, um, and I think we'll get into kind of how that funding works here in a little bit. But essentially through Hope Church, so we have we have an income that comes through Hope Church, um, and then I've always worked a, a second job. But I guess the point that I would want to make um, for anybody who's listening, and specifically anybody that I work with, is um, God is routing His funds in the way that He sees fit. I'm a full-time minister. I just happen to get income from a couple of different sources. Um, how that revenue comes in so that my family is supported, I candidly don't really care. It doesn't really matter. It's more, how am I using my time so that I can impact people in a way that makes sense? Perfect. So tell us, what, what's that been like for you? Um, you know, and maybe even share a little bit like high points and maybe low points or maybe, you know, challenges in having to navigate both the, the ministry worlds, quote unquote, you're right. Because I love the perspective of like your full-time ministry, period. Whether or not, it just happens to be that I get, uh, you know, our, our family puts food on the table through different funding streams. But, but tell us a little bit about, you know, the challenges and maybe even some of the joys of what it's been like um, to, to navigate both of those worlds. Yeah, well, I, one of the, the joys that's come out of it is, we, we had invited people to partner with us when we moved to Oak Harbor. Uh, this was on the advice from our district and, and working with Micah. And so we had, a, we had kind of a goal that we have to hit. And there's, there's everybody when you do um, funding, there's always a goal. There's always a number. And Scott, you and I have worked through that together as well. But um, there's always kind of that number. And, and I remember being like, boy, I've never done this before. Like I've always been, you know, you go to work at a job and you receive a paycheck. Um, I didn't have a full... 
I think an understanding of what it looked like for a worker is worthy of his wages. And to, to see what that looked like from a ministry standpoint, when you're going out as essentially a missionary into the local field rather than even an international field. So one of the real benefits for us was being able to talk to people about what the ministry was, uh, meeting with moms and dads, aunts and uncles, friends, and to be able to talk to them about here's, here's what God is calling us into. And we'd love to partner with you uh, financially as well as prayer support uh, to be able to to help us kind of bring forward what God has called us into. And we've had a number of folks that have, that was seven years ago, so that was 2014. We've had a number of folks who have continued to give for the last seven years uh, because we get to update them on what's happening. We get to update them on on the, you know, the two or three gentlemen who were baptized this, back, this past June and how um, we get the chance to be able to empower others to be able to do the same thing, that it's not just about what the pastors do. So that's been a huge high. Um, a low, I think for me that the biggest challenge, um, you see, I've got, for those who can't say, I have a planner that's sitting in front of me. Um, I am a linear thinker. I am a planner. Um, but I will say that I'm also a fairly high capacity guy who often does not know how to say no. And so one of the learnings that I've had, especially working with my wife is to go from a job managing stores or as a district manager or whatnot, uh, taking that job and being just focused on that to now having a couple of different things that I'm focused in on. Uh, I've had to really understand how to plan well, uh, how to honor my family and their time well. Uh, and for those who I'm showing how to do this, you know, how to make disciples in this manner, um, to maybe not hold them to even necessarily that expectation that I have for myself. It's more about what is God calling you into because I realize that we're all different and we all have different ways to be able to approach things. So um, that's definitely been a bit of a challenge on on my end and continuing to continuing to work through that. I was telling Luis earlier today, I just, my wife and I, we had a conversation about it last night. It's like, okay, so let's take a look at the next three weeks and it's Christmas season, right? We're in that season. And so how are we going to have time for our family and how does this all work? Um, but that's, uh, those are kind of the two things that stand out. Man, thank you so much. Um, as we as we continue this conversation on co-vocational, if you could look back upon your life, you know, that could be really deep. So let's not go crazy here. But if you look back and you're like, man, there's some valuable lessons or words of wisdom that you could give to yourself. And, you know, this is coming from someone who's stepping into this realm relatively young. And, and trying to learn some of these things. And there's probably some of our listeners who may be entering into this co-vocational reality of ministry for the very first time. What are some words of wisdom you would give your, your younger self, but also that is applicable to those of us who, who might be stepping into this for the first time? Yeah, I think the, uh, those three words, words of wisdom, um, I, we had talked about this earlier, and so I had a little bit of a heads up around what that question may be. I, uh, I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians, and Paul spends a lot of time talking about wisdom. And there, there's a passage out of here, out of verses 4 and 5. This is chapter 2. It says, And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith might, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. For myself and my family, what we have really sought to do is to understand what God has for us. Worry less about the advice of other people and what their thoughts for us may be. Uh, I know that when I made the decision to 
to become a pastor. I remember there was family members pulling my wife aside saying, did he ask you about this? Like, did he talk to you about this? Uh, Making the, no, no, <laughs> yeah, making the decision to uh, to go from, you know, a district manager and a trajectory on a corporate ladder, which, you know, everybody's got their own opinions about that. But, you know, doing that um, to becoming a barista again, you know, and people saying, why are you doing that? Like you could do other things, you know, you don't have to be making 15 bucks an hour or whatever, whatever the amount was at that time. Um, learning, I think, not to listen to the wisdom of men has been really important. Um, really trying to understand what does God have for us and then what are we going to do about it? And really asking God, give us the courage to be able to move forward with whatever that you have uh, is. So for anybody, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be young, but a man or woman who is uh, considering moving into ministry and maybe this is the the way that they see um, God um, pulling them is to be open to whatever God has for you. Maybe that means that it's you're going to need to lay bricks for a while. Maybe it means that you're going to be making coffee. Maybe it means you're an executive at a company and you can help um, fund other people. Uh, maybe you're a, an entrepreneur and can can be able to to take other people alongside you and to be able to route some of these funds that God has. There's a lot out there. We just know that, um, but often people don't know that there's a need. And so, how can we help um, help uh, bring people's perspective into that? So that's number one: is to be open. Um, listen to what, what God is saying, listen to what the Holy Spirit is, is, is bringing to you and to be willing, um, to do those things. Um, if you're, if you're willing, um, boy, I I don't think there's going to be any way that, that God is not going to bless that. Very practical. You know, we're going to get into uh, fundraising and and that kind of thing, um, in a, in the coming episode. But as we're talking about co-vocational and the words of wisdom you just gave, very practically, how do you balance uh, two separate jobs and a family life? How do you go about balancing this? You mentioned you know, your calendar, your structured, logical thinker. Shout out. Me too. I love it. Uh, get a planner if you don't have a planner. It's awesome. Um, but how do you find a balance between that? And, and in my experience, some weeks, man, I feel like I didn't do a lot of things that I thought I was going to do. And other weeks, I feel like I did way more than I thought I could. How do you balance the, the two-job approach and, and scheduling and your life? And very practically, how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah, I, the, the nice thing about working at a place like you know, Starbucks or, where, or wherever, where you've got a rigid 9 to 5, or maybe it's 4 a.m. to 1 p.m., is that that block of time is reserved. Like I know, I know what I'm doing during that block of time, and so then it's really about the the other the other time. Um, I, I was very candid with any of the managers that I worked with. So again, I, I step from one position in the organization to to a, an entry level position essentially. So I'm no longer in control of my schedule, uh, but I had very honest conversations um, with those who were writing those schedules, saying, "Hey, can if you could, could you um, arrange the schedule so that I could be off by a certain time or or whatnot?" And generally those requests were honored as long as I was candid with them about, you know, what I have another, I have another job that I'm, that I'm working on as well. Um, I try to make sure that I never worked more than 30 hours a week. Um, sometimes that's driven by, by finances and I get that. Um, but that allowed me to have the time and space to be able to, um, you know, focus in on whatever else that You're I was doing. 30 hours a week at Starbucks. Right. Yeah. 30 hours a week at Starbucks. Cause again, that's the tangible, like I know I'm punching a clock. And so those are the hours. Um, when I transitioned out of Starbucks and, and for those who don't know, I, I now work um, part-time with, with young life, which is a youth organization, uh, again, missionary work, um, towards kids. Uh, that's, it was a little bit 
different because now my schedule is mine. I can literally call the shots on the schedule, which the danger for somebody who, I guess with, with my mentality is like, I just want to work. Like I want to, I want to be in the, I just want to work and do that. The danger is that, well, now I'm not hard and fast to that five to one or whatever that schedule is. And so I may work tons of hours. So the calendar has been helpful for me. Um, shout out to Franklin Covey. Um, the calendar has been super helpful for me because I, I block myself off in four hour blocks. That, that has been a, somebody gave me that advice years ago is uh, within ministries to try to, rather than just say, oh, my whole day's open. It's no, I've got noon to four and five to nine, you know, whatever. Um, so that I've got those blocks and the rest of the time is, is for my family or for house projects or whatever else that we need to, we need to take care of. Um, looks like. So balancing time has been, been really important and making sure that, um, that I'm sticking to that has been good. Steph and I do checks every couple of weeks where we look at the calendar and say, okay, are we healthy right now? Or are we not healthy? Yeah. And then jokingly earlier, I was like, yeah, you didn't check with your wife, but you definitely have to, if it's going to work, I mean, there's so many moving pieces. You have to be on the same page with your spouse or you know like or if you're single you just have to have those bumpers um to be able to be healthy because there is such a thing as like overworking and there is such a thing as you know um, doing too much on the flip side though there is such a thing where you're if you start managing yourself and you're not like a driven person then you can do too little and that's and but i would say for most in my experience, for most of the people that are kind of tip of the spear type of people, chances are you're probably over, you probably work more than you. Th- and then the other thing with our type of work, because it's not like we're punching in, it's like we're working when we're laying down a lot of times. You're thinking through, you know, strategy or you're thinking through, I need to make this phone call. I need to, you know, all of these things. So for sure. Um, yeah. And I'll just speak to that real quick. The, um, I would highly recommend for anybody if they don't have this is to, uh, to engage with a coach, uh, because you can have some accountability, um, through coaching that, uh, that you may not have. I mean, a lot of us, we work on our own, like we're kind of lone wolves doing, doing this work, um, of church planting. And it can, there can be, I think there can be certainly, I don't know if laziness is the right, but if you don't have a sense of direction as to what you're doing, it's you're just not doing anything. And so to be able to have somebody that you can work with that can ask good questions, um, you know, maybe even a mentor or something that can help who's been doing this down the road, uh, that'll help kind of alleviate some of that, I think. Yeah. And I think you're right, though, Matthew, too. Uh, the future of the church is, I think, going to be lay-led. And it's like that in the majority, you know, world already. Um, and in many ways, we're late to the party. Um, but I think we are early adopters, you more so than us. You've been doing this, and we, we're grateful for you guys like you who've been doing this, who've been laying the groundwork, you know. Um, and, and we're grateful that the Lord is, is calling many like us, you know, in this season. Because there's so many people out there that will visit a coffee shop and have spiritual conversations that could lead it to gospel conversations that may never step foot into a building that they've never been in, right? That, um, and, and, and are maybe even a little bit intimidated to visit, right? And so much of discipleship is focused in the American church around a space, a, a building, rather than among God's, uh, you know, among God's people. So definitely grateful for you and your work. Thank you so much um, for the words that you shared today. Now, let, as we kind of start to land the plane here today, um, man, parting words, anything else you'd like to share? 
Um, and then how can hope, uh, how can people connect to your guys's ministry, uh, hope church, et cetera. Yeah, we, we are in Oak Harbor. Uh, so we do have a website actually just went through a refresh, um, hope church, org. Uh, as a way to be able to just kind of see what we're doing and you can see what those rhythms are. We've, we've taken a kind of a nod to your website. Um, the work that Melissa did. We love the website. Yeah. Uh, just as a, keeping it simple. And I think that's been a, that's been a piece for us. We've just really tried to make sure that the folks within our church family understand is keeping it simple. So with, uh, I would say just parting words specifically around co-vocational, bivocational, um, Hugh Alter, I've already referenced him once. He wrote a book called Bibo, uh, which was a book I read uh, years ago, and it was helpful for me to be able to kind of see and to understand the uh, the impact of what it means to be able to work in a different context. And he was more speaking towards the work of um, a contractor, somebody who built houses and, and things, and to get the chance to be able to learn how to be a disciple in that capacity, but then share share with others. However, God chooses to route his funds, I think really maintaining a perspective that, uh, that he, he is going to bless your ministry. It is up to you to be the person who chooses to lean in or not. Are you going to choose, are you going to be the person who's going to choose to, um, to see that whatever it is that God has for you is truly what he has for you? Or is it a burden? You know, were you hoping when you got into ministry that, the church is going to employ me full time. And maybe it will. Maybe a church will grow to the place where we can do that. Or are you just hoping to listen to what God has for you? And if and if what he has is good enough, you're going to be fine. Love it. Love the idea that God is going to route his funds to you however he wants. And just kind of remaining open to that. And remembering that he's the provider, not ourselves. That's a big takeaway. And even to me, it's like, Hey, God's gotcha, you know, and he's going to route those funds to you and make sure that your family's taken care of. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life and mission in ways that are easy to understand. Stay tuned as we release episodes each Wednesday. We'd appreciate it if you would like, review, share, and subscribe our podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.